0: Welcome to Getting Goosebumps, the power of storytelling. The weekly podcast helping you to craft stories that inspire, entertain and convince. Each week, listen to leading industry experts from top marketers and CEOs to producers and writers from the entertainment industry. Learn how to elevate your brand message and spare your audience into action. This week... I speak to Noah Klochek. Noah is an art director at Pixar Animation Studios, one of the most iconic and groundbreaking production companies in the world, and some might say one of the best storytelling companies in the world too. Pixar has brought us such modern classics as the Toy Story series, Cars and the Incredibles to name just a few of my favorites. Prior to Pixar, Noah also enjoyed roles with DreamWorks Animation and Industrial Light and Magic. He also has his own content production company called Image Block Studio, which focuses on his paintings and illustrations and it's dedicated to storytelling in all of its forms. Naturally, with Pixar seemingly hitting home run after home run, I was keen to learn Noah's thoughts on what makes a good story and what he considers to be the secret source. But we also dive into how Noah goes about conceiving, planning, and approaching storytelling from a visual perspective, which is absolutely fascinating. In this interview, Noah has some great insights to share, and I know you're going to enjoy every minute, so check this out. So, Noah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been really excited to talk to you, um, you Noah, because I feel like uh, Pixar is part of my life, you know, growing up. um, Yeah. From a storytelling point of view, definitely a groundbreaking organization that I think lots of people would agree, um, you know, sort of, they're endeared towards... um, you know, and some of the stories that that Pixar have put out are just absolutely, are just fantastic at emo- evoking emotion and connecting with such a wide audience. What can I start by asking you to uh, talk about? What What's it like working at Pixar? Uh,
1: yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's the. You know, I worked at a lot of in, uh, different places. I started out at ILM and then they worked at DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely the best place I will ever work for somebody else. Um, I, I can't imagine it ever getting any better than working at Pixar. Um, it, it's different than my uh, the work that I would do personally. But, you know, you're like, hey, money is no issue. You can just go write your own stories or make your own movies, whatever you want to do. Um, And the difference is, and I actually quite enjoy the balance, uh, Pixar is what I would call aggressively uh, collaborative. (laughs) Um, And uh, the other work that I do, children's books and that kind of stuff, is um, very lonesome, frankly. And I really like the balance of the two. The thing that's amazing about Pixar is the people uh, that – any project that you undertake with the other team, with the team at Pixar, um, there is no uh, you know, weakest link. Everyone is really bringing their A game. Everyone is really good at what they do. And so the joy uh, for me is allowing those ideas to kind of bounce around in that, that space. Mm-hmm. And so the, truly, the whole, uh, the whole is bit bigger than the sum of the parts. That the ideas just grow and grow um, in this really beautiful area of, of really intense collaboration, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's really the joy of working there. Do
0: you know, I'm glad you said that. No, because um, I read uh, Creativity Inc. by um, Ed uh, Catmull, and uh, yeah. I, I guess you would have shattered an illusion if you'd had said anything else, because that definitely sort of comes across. Um, yeah, but can you can you help sort of articulate? How you go about defining uh, a creative vision for for a project, you know, when something new is on the slate and you know the the ball is is thrown over to you. What where, where do you where do you start from a yeah, story it's... and structure point of view?
1: Well, that's that's a little misleading, I would say, um, because um, the the art is not my personal job to do that. It's our team's job to do that. That's what I have to do in the art department. Okay. Is so, uh, it's not like they're like, hey, we have an idea for a project that's about a, you know, a penguin, uh, go at it. Um, it's really driven uh, in a process that there's a, you know, the director will come up with uh, their idea and bring it to the table, and there's a whole process for, you know, how the directors and ideas get chosen. Um, and my job would be to come on later as part of the art department, and our job is to take that story and to um, really find the visual language inside of it, design-wise. Later on, people will be bringing camera to it and lighting to it, and sometimes our department is very involved in those processes. Mm -hmm. But our job is really to take um, stuff that's really clear as ideas and script pages Mm -hmm. and kind of flesh it out into a world.
0: Wow. I mean, so... You do both um, sort of visual storytelling and, and you actually, you write as well. Like how, 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 does, how do those two things um, combine?
1: Um, well, initially when I was younger, I didn't write at all. Um, you know, I had dyslexia as a child and um, so writing was not something I thought I would ever do. Um, but And so I actually went to art school to be just an illustrator, children's book illustrator. That's what I always wanted to do. I actually grew up without a television. So my view of the world was very tied to books um, and the, the medium that I was interested in telling stories in was books. And after I had worked at Pixar for a while, um, there was always this itch to, to get back and to do a book or two. And so at that point, I started mostly working visually because that's what I'd been doing. And the more people I talked to in the story department and other directors at Pixar and other artists, everyone just kept saying, you gotta, you gotta write, you gotta sit down and start writing. And so I started and it was a long, slow process. And I would say, um, I I still have a long, long way to go as a writer. Um, but I'm beginning to see how it's a similar tool to the visuals. It's just a different way, uh, of presenting it. It's a different language. And so uh, i'm not at the point that I am as a as a visual artist as a writer. It takes me about fifty times longer to get anything down um and i can't i don't feel like I have the nuance of it you know sometimes i'll end up with a great sentence that I really love, but it's saying the wrong thing but i'm attached to the sentence and i don't have that issue in in the visual uh, arena
0: wow that's interesting because obviously in such a collaborative environment with with a sort of sweet spot and a sort of strength of visual um, storytelling, yeah, that that must be a struggle to sort of go home and, and work on um, writing. However, yeah. I, I also imagine, that, you know, I'm sure it's not all um, singing and dancing and, and rainbows at Pixar every day, but I would imagine it to be quite an inspiring environment. Um, you know, how, yeah. how much how much are you still learning from the team at, at, at Pixar, and how, how does that play out?
1: That's a good question. Um, Again, for me, most of it goes back to the people. Um, I think the process is very unique to Pixar, meaning in my personal work I can't replicate any of the processes because it's not a collaborative, uh, similar process. Mm -hmm. However, uh, individuals' processes and the way they think about problems and the way that they problem solve that and the standard to which they hold themselves. I think is um, the real takeaway for me and the inspiring thing that, you know, you get knocked down and you get back up on the horse and you try it again and you get knocked down and you you try it again and again and again. And there is no really, uh, it's not like a math problem. There is no correct answer. Mm -hmm. You just have to keep going at it until uh, the thing comes out. (laughs) is kind of the way it is. And so I think that is really what I draw from Pixar processes are really drastically different and i kind of like that it really i feel like it rounds me out as a
0: human being i can imagine it also sounds incredibly frustrating (laughs) how um how do you take a broad idea and start to to give it shape then though because there must be there must be some sort of um approach that you apply to to your work. yeah
1: there is that's a really good question as well. I kind of have um, uh, systems to trick myself into not seeing the whole problem, if that makes sense. Well, that, that sounds so,
0: really interesting. Yeah.
1: So on a, on a visual standpoint, I try never to work from blank paper. And if I do, I, I work as small as possible. So when I'm starting to come up with ideas for a story, um, uh, if, if I've written, the story written down, I start with that. And uh, literally in the margins, I'll just make uh, shape language uh, suggestions to myself. I'll take those shape language suggestions and turn them into thumbnails, um, either in the computer or I'll just trace them out. And I'll take those thumbnails and I'll blow them up and do bigger thumbnails that are more... uh, detailed and a lot more information and move stuff around and try new stuff out and then i'll take those and blow those up into layouts i'll take the layouts uh i'll take also take the thumbnails and do color keys on them really small and blow those up for the color so i'm trying to trick myself into not having to sit down and have a nice sheet of white paper in front of me and say create something amazing because i think that that um kind of creates writer's block and artist block and all those kind of things, idea block. Yeah, And if I can just get a grain of something going, even if I change it completely six times before it gets to the final uh, thing, uh-huh. then at least I'm moving forward. And I kind of do the same thing with writing.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine, well, and I, well, I can totally relate to uh, how imposing a blank page can be. So that will yeah. make perfect sense, now. apart from the fact that I don't know what shape language is. <laughs> can you explain oh, that? Oh, yes. <laughs> so shape
1: language would be um, – that's a really good – I'm sorry, I didn't articulate that. Uh, shape language is over a progression of like a children's book or even a film, um, there will be motifs and um, through lines of uh, visual storytelling that we want to present so, uh, let's say, like in my last, my children's book that just came out called Great Big Things, um, there's this little mouse that goes on this journey, a um, really great journey to bring a tiny crumb to a friend. And the whole first half of the book, the, there's diagonals um, across almost every single page leading upwards. In the second half of the book, there's diagonals leading downwards or flats. And the idea was that you would just visually in the book feel the shape language of having to come to the top of this mountain and then finally go down the other side right at the end of the book. And so that's what I mean by shape language. It can also be in the beginning of the book, the character is um, constricted or the beginning of the movie. And so there might be a lot of straight lines and tiny squares and the character's in that. And at the end, there's much more space or there's circles. Um, and so those are shape languages to basically gestalt design things to, that you're telling the story visually.
0: Wow. Wow, that yeah. sounds incredibly interesting. So you literally have um, a langu- a visual language of shapes and lines to represent emotions or yes, direction exactly. of emotion. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know this. Why didn't I know this existed? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, was,
1: I mean, a lot of it's like, there's a, you know, a book the three C's of uh, comp- composition I think it's called, which is some of the stuff comes out of, and there's a lot of old illustrators who did similar things, um, but they tended to do it in one illustration. So like how to draw the eye or how to, you know, make a, a tense uh, composition And uh, from Pixar, you know, watching, we also do it with color, and I also do it on my children's books the same way, where you take a progression through, um, emotionally through the story, through color, and you can either use saturation or value or um, spotlighting. There's, you know, millions of levers to pull, but you want to make some of those that are really clear so it helps the audience, guide the audience through the
0: story. Wow, that makes perfect sense, I guess. You know, I can see sort of how... Um, a negative scene might start out um, black and white or yeah you know, and and move to color or light or, or whatever wow that's that's incredible so yeah. you, you literally start with those component building blocks um, yeah so talk to me about how, how do you um, at what point do you then start to add dialogue or um, character and that kind of stuff? how many how many layers of of this sort of shape language and, and visual storytelling, are there no?
1: It, for me, it's kind of a back and forth thing. Like
0: I don't feel like I figure out anything all at
1: once. So it, it, they're kind of like mini epiphanies. Um, so it may be when I'm writing that I'll come up with an idea and say, oh, you know, it would be great as if actually we move the climax over here and that way visually we can lead into it better. Um, and then I'll go back to drawing and see if that works and test it out with thumbnails and see if all those pieces come together. Um, and so for me, the process is back and forth. Um, it's kind of similar at Pixar because we're kind of writing our stories as we make them Mm -hmm. and we're always just trying to make them better. And so it's this constant process of just kind of throwing stuff up there, um, and seeing does, is this telling it the right way? because there is no right answer to these things. You know, there's definitely rules that people have used Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: over time and in filmmaking, but they're not hard and fast. And I think one of the joys is finding ways to break them creatively um, to make your point stronger or to help move the audience um, in a direction you want them to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so I can imagine... um, I can imagine that that is strange going from such a collaborative environment to Pixar and then going home and working on your um, children's books, like, you know, working on productions. I mean, you, you've worked on Brave, The Good Dinosaur, Wally, Up. I mean, you've worked on some mega projects, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel pretty fortunate for sure. Wow. You know, and I guess, like, as I'm saying some of that, the, the majority of the audience will be, Oh, wow. I love that movie. I love that movie. I love that. You know, it is yeah. the, the The collaborative nature and the process of Pixar, you know, it's obviously robust because they just seem to knock it out of the park with every, (laughs) with every project. Um, What what are some of the? What are some of the? I was going to say surprisingly. Oh, sorry. Surprisingly, it's
1: it it's not easier the next time you do it. It seems like it should be, but it isn't. We have to go back to the beginning and relearn all the stuff every time.
0: (laughs) Well, no, it's interesting you say that now because it's almost like, um, if anything, I'm thinking, well we've just nailed that one. What do we do now? It's almost like, well, that's another great idea that we can't do again for the first time. It's all, yeah. you know, it's almost like it, it gets harder. If anything, the stakes are raised every, yeah. t- every time, yeah. you know? Um, but but then you go home and work on um, kids books yourself. I mean, what, um, what age range is the, 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 the kids books? Is it, is it very much still st- um, visual, visual based because of yeah. the language? Yeah
1: yeah it, it it is I think um, children's books is a very interesting um, market uh, in that it's kind of the same way it was sixty years ago like really not a lot has changed there's you know the same companies I mean you know there's definitely been some consolidation and stuff but there's not like it's uh there's a there's an app for that or any of that kind of stuff it's very <laughs> it's very the way that it was. 60 years ago. And so there's, you know, inroads and there's graphic novels and there's stuff that's in between. And I would love to do all of those things. Um, but it's really hard to find the market for that, especially in the US. I mean, Europe definitely, there's a lot more freedom to play in that arena. But in the US, it's either, you know, uh, it's a two to seven, and then kids have to be reading Harry Potter. There's nothing in between. Um and there's been, you know, attempts uh, that have been successful to kind of bridge that gap. But um for my money, too few. And so I'm hoping that someday, you know, there's a I have a hundred page children's book that I want to do and fully illustrated a hundred page children's book. Wow. But there's not a lot of publishers, even if they love the idea and the visual that are willing to sink the money into printing a hundred page children's book. So there's a lot that's kind of the balance for me, is that I have Um, probably 15 children's book projects that are in some form of being written and illustrated right now. And a lot of them are in that camp that it'll, I don't know if I'll ever find a publisher for them, frankly, and that's okay um, because I do it mainly for the joy of it. Um, And then others that really kind of just fit into, and the ones that have come out so far that I've done really fit into the, you know, uh, four to seven age
0: group. Right. Okay. Because that's that seems like a challenging audience, you know, to keep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to keep the attention of children of that age, and also yeah. maybe the literacy is could be a barrier, you know. So you've you've got to nail a lot of things in a very yeah. concise way. Like, what what's the what's your approach to that? That sounds tough.
1: Yeah. For, uh, for me, I actually really enjoy that part of it. Um, the you know, all of my children's books at some level are about imagination.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I feel like it's kind of the piece that as a, as a culture, as a society, as human beings, especially in the West, we kind of leave off that to kind of chance. So you know, you go to math class and you go to reading and you do, you know, economics and you do uh, all the rest of it at school but there is no imagination classic unless you go to art and you know in the us that's getting more and more cut yeah and as and feel and the senses is it's superfluous like uh, you don't really need that but from my perspective and especially looking at the people who i'm working with at pixar the reason all of them are there even in the technical side they're really incredibly technical people who are writing our tools really br- brilliant people The reason they're there is because they can solve problems outside the box. Because, you know, no one's interested in someone who can write a piece of software that already exists. People are interested in someone who can write a piece of software that doesn't exist yet. And that's where creativity comes into it. And yet, as humans, we're just assumed that that's supposed to be picked up through osmosis or something. (laughs) And we spend a ton of time making sure that you know how to do arithmetic. And I'm not saying that arithmetic is less important Um, but the balance is off. And so really my thrust for children's books is to really try to champion imagination in some way. And and that makes it kind of easy for me because young children are incredibly imaginative. I have two daughters who are now getting a little old for my books, but um, it was super inspiring to watch them grow and watch them go through that age where they are 100% imagination. And really what I'm trying to do is just tap into that. Yeah. When I write and
0: uh, come up with ideas. Wow, that's that's kind of, that's that's quite inspiring, actually. You know, and you know, having a, a young son myself, um, you know, it's it's like it's like kids are born with an imagination, and yeah, and and life slowly just chips away at it. You know, it and, yeah. You know, it's quite nice to know that there's a champion of imagination out there now. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, just to sort of get kids to keep hold of their imagination for a little yeah. bit longer. You know, totally. Wow, wow. Yeah. So, so that sounds like a, a, a big challenge. So, is is that <laughs> is that why you do this? Because I mean, you do do it all day at Pixar, then you come home and carry on. Is that, yeah, is that the big purpose for you?
1: Um, that's that's a big part of it. Um, and part of it is I just love the medium. I love um i love the gaps there's there's very few uh, art forms out there that that are popular now that lead much to the imagination so um you know if you watch a movie it's filling in the dialogue and all the time you know uh, children's book has this amazing thing where they give you gaps and a child has this opportunity to fill those gaps with their own imagination. Can you give us an example of that? that Yes. So when you're flipping from one page to the next, you're not getting the entire animated action of all the things that are happening in between there. You're having to make that leap as a child. And in my books, I'm trying to have a gap between the text and the image. And so that you can make a connection and fill in that blank for yourself. And I love that. For the art in the art form. It has these little moments where you get to in- inject your own thoughts and your own history and all that into the book. It does not fill all that out for you and carry you along the way a novel even would, where it's explaining everything that's going on and you're really enthralled in it, but there's not a lot of time to spend where you have to make a huge leap. And actually, frankly, in the best writing of novels, there is, and that's what makes them enjoyable. But children's <laughs> books really has that in this visual um and writing and it has to be so concise and simple yeah. that it's really great uh, to have those gaps and that's why i love the medium so much i
0: i can see um actually as you were talking there, uh, um the first thing that came to mind was do you remember those um those lego those visual lego adverts uh that basically
1: no you know,
0: well there was there was basically a couple of pieces that went together. Like, oh, that's cool! And then yeah. the, the shadow was like what the child thought it was, so it was like two. That's great. Yeah, you know, so like it might have been two Lego blocks crossed over, and you can yeah. see that clearly. But the shadow was an airplane.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: You know, and straight away it just achieved so much. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's genius. But you talk about it as if it's kind of it's a bit of a challenge for me. That sounds like a huge challenge to actually design a structure and purposely leave some gaps and space breathing space for the audience to uh, yeah to fill it with their their imagination how what's your advice for somebody thinking right i would love to inspire an audience and Mm. force them to use their imagination how do you go about doing that what's the sort of most sort of concise way or is there a is there a a one two three sort of step process to design in a framework or is it a little bit more fluid than that
1: uh it's a little more fluid but there for there is i think for me it's trying to to get most of the i stuff out of the way for yourself um because we tend to um want to solve problems in the way that we normally solve problems and I'm going to take a step back and tell you a, my favorite joke which is really kind of my guiding light for, for um, writing children's book and the joke is pretty simple there's this kid who um, really wants to fly on an airplane and every year his grandma comes uh, to see them and he's just like oh grandma I'm so glad you're here but I really want to go on the airplane with you I'm really excited about going on the airplane so finally his parents are like okay Fine, we'll, go, we'll fly to grandma this year. So they get on the airplane and they take off up in, and they're up in the air and, and the parents turn to the kid and they're like, this is it, we're on an airplane now. The kid's like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm still waiting though. And they're like, well, well, no, this is it. This is what flying an airplane is. What are you waiting for? And the kid says, I'm waiting for that moment when we shrink. <laughs> and to me, that's the exciting thing about children is that they're not thinking about perspective in that they're thinking the airplane shrinks and that's what they're excited about
0: <laughs> that's amazing uh.
1: so for me that is what is enjoyable and so the, that's what i mean by getting the stuff out of the way getting the stuff out of the way about how we think about the world and really just letting that playfulness come in um and then that's where the wonder is hidden
0: wow but how do you go to that place, Noah? I mean, how do you get uh, up in the morning? Hard. You know, you battle traffic. Yeah. You are, you know, you've got these grown-up problems. And then you've got to take <sighs> your mind to a place where, you know, is sort of innocent and childish. You yeah. I mean, that, that sounds really tough.
1: Um, it's, it's not easy to have great ideas. I'll admit it. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of it, uh, for me, comes down to rhythm is I just do it every day um, and whether I whether I have a good idea or not or whether I feel like it or not. And that has been the thing that has kind of won out over time is that uh, my mom was a kindergarten teacher for 25 years and she said uh, rhythm replaces strength with children and adults are just big children. And so my Sorry, goal is…
0: Rhythm replaces strength? Strength. Wow, that, um, that sounds really cool, but what does that mean? What that means is is
1: if you get yourself into a rhythm, it's way easier to continue doing it. Yeah. So if you have a routine with the kids every morning that they come into school and they take off their shoes, the first thing you get in to school, taking off shoes becomes really easy, really quick. If every day, sometime in the day, they take off their shoes, it's really hard to get them all to take off their shoes because they don't know what's coming next. And adults are the same way. And so... After my, you know, my day at work, I uh, come home and we do the dinner thing and hang out with the family and the dishes and put the kids to bed. And now they're a little older, so they stay up and read. But when they start reading, then I come downstairs and get to work. And um, the, we have other projects going on now as well, um, besides the children's books. But basically every night between 8 and midnight, I do work. And some nights it's great, and some nights I don't get anything, and some nights I literally just stare at the screen. But I have to engage in that process, and eventually something good comes out of it. Um, but I can't expect that um, that I can work a couple days a week and have these epiphanies. It just takes a lot of doing it. But once you get into that rhythm, it's not bad. I, I don't, I, I, after the dishes are done, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go down and work now. I get excited about it. <laughs> Um, because it's like Like, playtime I call myself my own patron I work at Pixar all day so I can pay uh, my bills and I can come home I can do whatever I want between 8 and midnight (laughs) Uh, and no one can tell me what to do Yeah, and it's great and so I really look at it as this time just to be free and to have fun and do the things I like to do and sometimes it's productive and sometimes it's not
0: Wow that sounds really cool Uh, have you any advice for the audience to sort of help them metaphorically kick off the shoes and just and get into a, a sort of yes. rhythm like is there any any advice yes for
1: that? I would say take take five ten minutes a day in the beginning mm-hmm. that you use to to watch entertainment so watching movies doing whatever checking out YouTube surfing the internet take just ten minutes of that so when you sit down and you, and you go into uh, your browser and open it up to do something on the internet, stop and take 10 minutes there and do something for yourself. Write, a, write an idea for a story, do a little doodle, do a little sketch, do a little drawing and just make that a habit. Every day do 10 minutes. And then if you like it, move it to 20 minutes. And I honestly, you will not miss that 10 minutes and you will feel so productive. And the hope is that you build up what's called a dopamine
0: loop around that. Ooh, a dopamine loop. What's that? A dopamine loop.
1: Um, a so, and when, is it, make it too complicated, too quick, but basically, dopamine is the thing in our body that tells us, oh, I get the good feelings from doing that thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, endorphins are a similar thing for sports and that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you can create a dopamine response um, from doing something that's difficult and having a sense of achievement doing it, um, then you, your body actually gives you dopamine, the drug, and you feel good about it. And if you can do that on a regular basis, your body actually is wants to do that process more because it wants to get more dopamine. And so you're tricking yourself into doing work, basically, because you love it. Um, and so the hope is that you do it regularly enough to get that loop going. Um, and then the little triumphs you get really reward yourself. Wow, look at that amazing drawing I did. Um, for a while, uh, there's a couple of people at work and I doing something called... Uh, Uh, I forget what we were calling it, but it was like word of the month. And every month we'd have to do a full illustration, full color illustration. I was doing it pastel, like these giant illustrations, one a month of a random word. We got off the internet from a random word generator. (laughs) Cool. And it was hard in the beginning. But after a year, I turned it around and realized I had 12 full-size illustrations. Wow. And the joy, that's a whole new portfolio.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And the joy of that was so overwhelming that I continued doing it for a while. And now it's moved into doing pastels with my kids on the weekends. But um, that's the kind of thing that you want to start. And it doesn't take a lot of time. And so if you can just start a little practice doing that and get that loop going, it's much easier the next night. If your dopamine loop is every night sitting down with Xbox, guess what? It's going to be really hard the first couple of weeks. Um, But just do a little bit at a time.
0: Well, I think that's really good advice, a little and often, you know, and it's, I guess it is amazing to then look back and, you know, what, what you can achieve. Yeah. So So, no, you, you mentioned, um, your, um, one of your, your book projects earlier, which sounded really cool, uh, great big things, bringing yeah. a tiny crumb to a friend. Now, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, but what I was thinking as you were saying it is it sounded very Pixar because straight away it painted a picture in my head of, um, Uh, of a little hero like the sort of uh, the underdog with a a big challenge uh, and a big sort of journey and I can imagine him going on this journey and overcoming adversity and all this kind of stuff you know yeah Um, so um, are there any sort of story building blocks or just ingredients or things that you know are always present when you're trying to um, plan out a story and bring a character to life
1: that's interesting i should say that i actually didn't write great big things that one i just illustrated okay. uh kate Hoffler wrote it um, it's, she's a brilliant writer but um for me yes and no it's interesting um when i was younger i read a lot of joseph campbell and the hero's journey and that kind of stuff trying to understand story structures to that point uh-huh. um, But the more, the older I've gotten, the more I feel like that, um, I would say it it feels a little um, too specific uh, and too, um, While I know that shows up in cultures around the world. It it is kind of uh, a little bit overused Mm -hmm. in our society, and so... I try to find ways to break the things that I know I should be doing. (laughs) And many times that that comes around and I end up doing the thing that I was trying to break in the beginning. Um, So it's a little hypocritical of me to say that. Um, But for me, the the, the start of everything is kind of something that um, gets the little voice inside of me excited. Mm Um, and that's really the measure I use, um, to start a project is, um, and that can come from everywhere. It comes from something my kids said, um, it can come from, uh, conversations with people. Sometimes if I'm really feeling like I'm I'm not inspired, I'll just create lists of ideas of things that sound cool to me. And so, I, for me, it's not one simple thing. Um, but I do carry around a sketchbook all the time because those come around, and if you don't write them down, they're gone.
0: Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, how do you capture this all the time? Because it sounds very sort of organic, and also, you know, you, you generate random ideas of various sizes yes. based on stimulus throughout the day. I, I guess. Totally. So you carry a little sketchbook around with you and write yeah. notes and do drawings, and wow. Totally. Okay. And that
1: and that, ten, that tends to be that I also tend to really try and fixate. If something really excites me now, I want to get enough up that uh, when I come back to it, that there's something there. Because I have had also the thing where I jump down a little note like, oh, my gosh, that's such a – you know, the sun frog. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and then I come back six months later. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and so I – and yet I was really passionate about it when I wrote it down. And so I try to work it out enough that I can come back to it and be like, oh, yeah, that's – oh, yeah, I do like that idea.
0: Yeah, so it's got some um, context. Yeah. So it's got
1: some context. Otherwise, it's just, just just a note. So I really try quickly. I use it for Google Docs. Mm-hmm. And I'll take those things and dump into Google Docs and write a paragraph or two or even a quick synopsis if I have that of the whole story up and then if I do a little doodle I can throw it into that same folder and there's just tons of folders sitting there doing that and that way when I come back to something I I have a context otherwise those things are really sadly they're gone forever if you you forget them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely I can remember countless times where that's happened and you go, damn it, what was... What was I think? It was really good. I, I, remember, I remember being excited, you know. I'm interested by yeah. the, the sort of journey you just described there and the sort of process of, you know, you're aware of the sort of um, the hero's journey and all of those yeah. sort of beats that, you know, are sort of time tested. And your approach is to try and break those rules. Uh, yeah. You know, even if you come back to, oh, oh it turns out that I'm actually conforming now, yes. uh, I guess you've stress tested it, right? Yeah. Um, but what are some of the rules that you would never try and break? Is there any fundamentals that mm-hmm. it's like, right, that's got to be that, that's got to be this, I've got to include this?
1: I, I think the first, I mean, they're mostly very broad in that, in that context. So there are things like um, I, it has to be accessible. The characters have to be accessible like I as, you as mean- the audience whoever you're writing for has to be able to identify with that right. character okay that for me that's the number one thing because we don't generally respond to stories that are about things that we can't connect with uh-huh. and I mean frankly we can you you know uh, we can be trained to connect with anything a lamp, for example, if you set it up in the right context, then people care about the lamp. There's a great Ikea commercial that Spike Lee, uh, Spike Jones did. You can look it up about a lamp. Um, uh,
0: but I but think... I think Pixar did something about that as well, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's also true, yes.
1: Um, so, yeah, we can care about anything, but the goal is, is it has to be specific enough Uh, that the audience can actually identify with that. And so that's like the number one rule. If I don't have that, I don't have anything, even if it sounds cool. And I do go down those same rabbit holes where you're like, oh, that'd be so cool to have all this stuff. And you're like, but why does anyone care? Mm -hmm. Um, It has to have a character at the center of it that uh, I believe in and follow. And the second thing is, for me, uh, my rule is about imagination. It has to feel like the character is growing their imagination or... Their imagination is useful in some way in the story. Um, and so like with my first book, Cloud Country, it was about uh, that the technical prowess is good and really important, but we shouldn't that should not be overshadow someone who thinks outside the box and is creative. Um, and so every story that I try and work on has some element of that is someone is using their imagination in some way. Um, so those are my big rules. Connection and imagination. And then beyond that, I really try and, and not have any rules at the beginning uh, because rules are very quick to be made, especially we, even when you throw something like I was talking about earlier, like shape language on. Mm-hmm. As soon as a shape language uh, solidifies, that's a structure for the story to hang on. You really can't change it that much, otherwise it fundamentally changes the story. Um, and so I... Rules are easy to come by, so I try not to at the beginning. I try to be that kid in the airplane. <laughs> that's
0: so yeah. cool. That's really cool. Now, before um, before you go, can you tell us where people can find out more about you and your, um, your, your kids' books and projects you're working on? And is there anything else you'd like to draw the attention of the audience to or leave us with?
1: Um, that's great. Uh, I think... Um, Oh, first I'll just tell you where you can find me, um, imageblock.com. That's dot kcom imageblock. Mm-hmm. Um, and there you can find my Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then that kind of generally has what I'm working on and, and movies that I've worked on in the past and a portfolio and that kind of stuff. Um, and then as far as drawing attention, I would say... Um, I think, for me, the biggest thing is is to go out and experience the world. I know a lot of your audience and a lot of my audience are uh, – we tend to get really self-centered in the study of other people doing the thing that we like um, and neglect going out and having experiences ourselves. And a lot of my biggest inspiration comes – in those moments where it's unexpected and it's out in the big world and that it's, I'm having the experience firsthand and the specificity that comes with that when you're designing or writing about it later is, is far more moving. And it, I know it feels like, Oh, Pixar is going to watch Pixar movies and try to make movies of like Pixar movies. But those movies came out of someone's real experience of that thing in the world. So don't neglect one for the other.
0: Wow. I think that's, that's great advice. Thanks so much for, um, for talking to me today. Now I've th- thoroughly enjoyed uh, our conversation. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, that's it for another week. Folks, join me next time for more pales of story-based wisdom from another storytelling expert. But that's it for this week.